Newly released criminal and medical school dropout, John Mueller holds up an illegal casino, then goes on the run when the robbery goes wrong. John decides to go into hiding in another town by working an honest job at his brother's company. By chance, he runs into a man who says he looks exactly like a local psychoanalyst named Dr. Bartok, except for a large scar on the left side of the doctor's face. When he goes to investigate the doctor, he meets the man's secretary, Evelyn, who promptly kisses him. You could kind of tell the real doctor might not be long for this world, and an ironic twist complete with mortal punishment might be about to ensue. But just watch the movie. With Paul Henry as John, Joan Bennett as Evelyn, and John Quaylen as a random dentist from 1948, Hollow Triumph. I'm Anne, and I'm a mama. I'm Ryan, and um, I object to this this use of uh, uh, you calling that guy a random dentist. He's a pretty big character. In the movie. <laughs> well, he randomly appears. It's not like he's he just just happens to be walking down the street. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess they're. Cha- I mean, this is where we're getting in the movie. But you have I think no. You have no bit. You have nothing to say. You just want to start fighting about I the was dentist. Gonna- <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna do well. I was looking up John Quaylen mm-hmm. because I was yeah I, because he's in His Girl Friday and uh-huh. production for use is a big deal in that movie. I'll never think of him as someone other than the guy who's uh, on the run in uh-huh. uh, His Girl Friday. You're talking about the guy with the mustache, right? In this movie, yeah, the little Norwegian guy. Okay, yes, he looks like an actor. He, I, when I saw him, I was like, "Is this the guy from Force of Evil, uh, the little accountant in Force of Evil?" Different actor. That's a different. Yeah. Actor. These are all. He's always guys. like, "Oh no, what did the like?" He has a he has a little accent, mm-hmm. and he's he always plays a guy who's like, "Please don't mm-hmm. hurt me." I was gonna try was for my little intro bit. I was gonna try uh-huh. to do a Paul Henry, and then I realized I have no idea how to do this accent that Paul Henry has. It's complete. I'm he's, like, is he French? Uh, he's Austrian. He's, he's Austrian. Austrian. I'm like, I don't yeah. even. I, I couldn't even begin to do. He he is just <laughs> fancy. Oh, that accent. Oh my lord. Yeah, I love he's, Paul yeah. Henry. And he's yeah. hard to pin down too. I'm like, where the fuck yeah. are you from, he's man? He's just cl- a classy man. <laughs> I didn't realize uh, he was six foot three until I looked him up. No, like, oh, boy. that's why he looks so He's imposing. imposing all the time as uh, yeah. a big, tall one. Uh, but we have a giant of a, of a guest here today, uh, mm-hmm. somebody who's uh, who did the show uh, last year when we were kind of first starting out and didn't know what the hell we're doing. Now we're, now we're only, we're a little bit, slightly better hosts, slightly mm-hmm. better audio quality, sl- very slightly better show. Uh, but has been uh, kind enough to come back and talk about a, a, another film and share share his uh, his knowledge of uh, particular uh, genre film noir and uh, this is just a great friend. You've seen him uh, in, on television and shows like uh, Twin Peaks: The Return, uh, of course, Better Call Saul. Uh, the list goes on and on. He's oh, he, he recently was on Tulsa King, which is a uh, ironic because I consider him something of a king of Tulsa. Our guest Josh Fadum. Hi, glad to be back. And wow, you have really cleaned the place up. This is gorgeous. God, we've come a long way. Look, oh, oh no. my God, the seats are clean. The, the walls are painted pristine white. 
the farmhouse mm-hmm. industrial lettering on the on the front door. <laughs> Everything got a nice clean flip. Oh, yeah, yeah, I put up that bless this mess sign. I didn't know if it was too much. Yeah, but the, sure. no, no more mess. <laughs> this is sort of like a, a like a Silver Lake recording space or something. Yeah. We're imagining. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's ironic, like, you guys. Like, I, I oh, put man. up one of those. The exposed yeah. brick. We did one with kind of an oh, exposed yeah. brick. Yeah. <laughs> I have a custom made table, just like um, it, I get the Instagram ad for uh, Mark Marin and his custom made table all the time. Is that like a, it's a custom made podcast? He went. It's a custom made podcast table. It's like an ad that I get that's like Mark Maron sitting with his table. And they're like, look at this awesome table. We make tables. We made a table for Mark Maron. <laughs> Wait, there's a oh. Marin table? Yeah, there's a Marin table. I they don't call know it what the you're looking at on Instagram that's not generating Mark It sounds kind of like an, I, an Ikea item, the Marin. No, they custom made it oh okay but if if you saw the word if you saw marin on an ikea shelf you'd be like oh that's okay i might get that i'm getting ready to start a podcast i think i've got i've got to go with the marin yeah yeah you you guys are doing great you got about four marins in here (laughs) (laughs) you got the place decked out as far cry from last time yeah yeah but Josh, uh, uh, thank you so much for for coming again on the show here. And um, we kind of wanted to focus on something that was specifically noir because if people don't know this, and I feel like if they know you, they they very well might know this. But you are you're a noir person. I got real into noir a few years ago. I just mm-hmm. became like uh, real interested. It suddenly just you know you don't necessarily choose the things you you uh, become obsessed with, you know. Mm-hmm. But they but I. I just started and then I just didn't stop until I kind of ran out. And then I have gone back to try to pick up the pieces of where I've didn't pick it up before, you know. Wait, so you think you watch all the noirs? I didn't watch them all, but and I have limitations with what I'll watch. But I watched like almost everything available that I could find, except for maybe a few strays. And I don't really have much interest in noir that isn't set in the United States. Oh, and I don't have much interest in like noir that wasn't made in the United States. So I'll I'll watch a French noir film uh, or Japanese one, but I also am not too interested in the noir, unless we're talking neo noir of noir made like <laughs> in nineteen sixty. Yeah. yeah, if we're talking, but if we're talking neo noir, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, why not? Why not Europe? What, what's your uh, beef with Europe ones? No beef. I just not interested. You know, like Mm. when I watched when I first started getting into the American noir, it was just neat to see American parts of the country, usually the coast, but sometimes in the middle of the country from that era and like location photography and stuff. And then I think if I tried to watch one that was like set in England or set in France or, you know, they try to go off to some like other country like, you know, um, Singapore or Trinidad or Tangier and sometimes the movies are just called that like Singapore uh-huh. you yeah. know or like kind of like <laughs> it's like Casablanca trickle down you know like let's pick another country and yeah. all that stuff I'm just like eh mm-hmm. I don't have the patience and it's weird because it's, pro- it's pro- all shot in Los Angeles likely and they got all mm-hmm. the same actors but usually you'll find yeah someone with like it's funny you're talking about the Paul Henrid accent. That's like it's almost pro- it's probably like a dead Austrian, a dead Austrian accent that like mm-hmm. no one sounds like it anymore. Or, <laughs> yeah, it's the Austrian version of a transatlantic accent. Yes, oh, I think yeah. it. I think it's just it's. But it's funny that in that 
in that era of movies, it, we completely tolerated <clears throat> European accents as just being fancy. Mm-hmm. And now we Another tolerate- one's Charles Boyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fancy, yeah. just fancy. Always well, fancy. fancy. It's always fancy. <laughs> and that, but now I think we tolerate uh, Australians uh, sounding like they're being strangled to death when speaking in American English. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Who That's were the some of the worst culprits of, of that? I mean, I think the early Hugh Jackman sounded a little strangled. Even now uh-huh. he sounds uh-huh. a little strangled. Uh-huh. Some, the, Hem- some, the Hemsworths, maybe. Yeah, or, uh, well, yeah. not as much. I think the people that came here kind of younger ha- have a better shot at it because they kind of like learn how to do it. Like if you listen to Colin Farrell now, he's like, he doesn't really sound Irish because he's obviously been living here so long. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like that's even sadder than doing a weird strangled accent. Yeah. Oh. Like, Mel Gibson. Oh yeah, he doesn't have an accent really. Well, yeah, he yeah. he struggled at the beginning though. I have yeah, strong memory of a lethal weapon. He goes, "You want to know if sometimes I think about eating a bullet?" Yeah. <laughs> and then he was just like, "I'll learn how to talk with you guys, and I don't have to do this anymore." Mel Gibson was born in New York City. Yes. Uh-huh. And yeah. then moved. I guess the family moved to Australia, and then he he was there to like in his early twenties or something. I mean, he was there basically. I think it's the same thing with Nicole Kidman, and I think the reason is that they're American citizens, so it was very easy for them to work here. So they just kind of pop right back and start. I think that's working. why yeah. that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I think I think because it's just like Crow. all the work, like the work Russell visa Crow. situation is simpler. If you're like, oh, I'm actually an American, so I can. The good the uh, Mel the early Mel Gibson movies are Gallipoli. That's a good movie, uh-huh. Peter uh-huh. Weir. I, li- uh-huh. I I like the Bounty. The Bounty. Which one, which one is the one with um the Bounty? The Bounty. Diane Keaton, where she's uh she's she's dating a prisoner. Mrs. She's Sofal. Like a, yeah, very weird movie. Oh, what? Oh, what's, what's Miss Sofal? Well, I never she, saw it, he's but. on death row. She's oh. like the warden's wife, and they have mm. a, an affair, kind of. And then he's, yeah. Mel Gibson mm. is currently in production, I guess, of Passion of the Christ 2, which. Uh, <laughs> More passion. <laughs> which, <laughs> if the rumors are to be believed, is a, is a harrowing of hell movie, which me, which I think means that it will it will follow Christ in, in his descent into hell. And back. Is that part wow. of the book? That's not part of the Bible, but it's part of sort of. Uh, uh, it's so he's like part... just making up the Bible now. <laughs> it's it's a, it's sort of in Catholic, uh, like the extended Catholic edition. Of, of the oh, Bible. so in the Catholic universe? Okay. Uh, oh, so wait, in the Schrader verse, is this from the Schrader verse? No, this, not, is, this the, is not Schrader verse. This is the Gibson verse. This, this is, is a the different Gibson verse. <laughs> this is a different, uh, a different Bible uh, extended Bible edition of okay. uh, uh, Harrowing of Hell. But I'm pretty sure that's what he's doing because I'm like, unless wait, he's doing it's like called the Harrowing of Hell. That's what it's called in the in literature. Because that that just sounds like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride to me. Wind yeah. in the Willows when Mr. Toad goes to hell. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a clip of Mel Gibson somewhere. It floated in front of me talking about it. And he's like, I have two scripts. One is uh, pretty straightforward and one is like psychedelic, crazy, you know, acid trip. Oh, so oh, he wrote two scripts movie? for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's what I that's what the that's what I saw him saying and then he said is jim caviezel come back oh yeah jim's back well he's not yeah busy <laughs> the thing think. with caviezel is that i, I mean I, there's a million reasons why this movie probably shouldn't be made <laughs> but, <laughs> but caviezel's also yeah. now like 50 years old like so uh, what jesus can't get older 
I, and I guess in this because he's I in just, hell. Okay, so yeah, he dies when he's thirty-five. Yeah. But then once he gets to hell, uh, to you know, it's like it's like uh, the Nazis in Indiana Jones. It's it's bad up aging. But you got it. Oh. But they're the, the Nazis in Indiana Jones aren't aged to fifty. They're aged to like be no but skeletons. It ha- it ha- it's like, but he's he's Jesus, so it doesn't happen as bad to him as it happens to everybody else. Because I mean, that's a version of hell that would be pretty solid. Like you go, you go to hell and you become extremely uncomfortable physically because you're old the entire time you're there. You know, it's like sexy. You know what I'm thinking about is how the first one was 20 years ago. So like, you know, he's making a sequel to a movie 20 years old, Mm -hmm. which happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But it's just funny because... It usually happens to something from like the 80s or the 90s or something. It's Top Gun Bible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Did you like Maverick? We don't even think we talked about Top Gun Maverick. I liked it. I saw it in when uh, one of the strands was going around last year. And so I remember going to see it with a mask uh, in the theater. I went to see it with my girlfriend and the uh, heater, it, it was really hot in Oklahoma. And the AC was broken at the theater. So I kept pulling my mask down and there was a real big beard looking ivermectin type guy sitting next to us. (laughs) And I think he probably had COVID or someone did. And so we both got COVID shortly after. And we think that we got it from Maverick. Um, So I remember it just being an unpleasant because of the movie theater. Someone should write Tom Cruise a letter. I don't think he'd go for that. Uh, He would be like, we made this movie, yeah. Yeah, he's like, we did not make this movie for theater yeah. theater goers to have an unpleasant experience. <laughs> you know, he, he, I think he'd give AMC a call. But um, anyway, the first the first hour or so, I would think I was a little lost. And then when it gets to the the, the, the last 30 minutes, uh, it become feels like a ride. And it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Very fun. Did yeah. you see that clip of Steven Spielberg telling Tom Cruise like some some event? Steven Spielberg is like, hey, you saved film distribution. Like uh, the screenings in theaters, you saved, you saved it, you did it. Yeah, <laughs> like that's he goes, he's like he goes, you saved our asses. Yeah. You really did it. You really did it. I guess he was kind of thinking, congratulating him for withholding the movie because they there was a Dob. Dob. They, yeah, because like you saved our asses. Old. You really, you really just time. You really saved our asses. Just time. Dob. <laughs> Dob. It's just <clears throat> yeah. Dob. Dob. So I, I said, I said to Tom, I said, really saved our asses this time. <laughs> I just think it's weird when someone's like very public about the business, you mm. know? Yeah. 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 He, uh, yeah, he was saying, I think he was, he was saying like, good thing for withholding the movie, not releasing it streaming, you know, putting it out at the proper time, you know, waiting mm-hmm. so people could see it in the theaters. I had to um, go get let my dog downstairs if you don't mind. Real quick. Oh yeah. You bet. Oh yeah. Sure. I'll actually work on this. Wait a minute. I think we're talking about the different, a different actor here. So the guy that I wrote down was Alvin Hammer. No, John Quaylen is the little guy. The guy that stops him on the street? Yeah. Okay, I'm back. The, now, this is a mystery because I, there's, a, okay, there, there is a John Quaylen, but then I, the, there's another guy called Alvin Hammer. Oh, John Quaylen. It looks John like John Quaylen was in Casablanca, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, so maybe Paul guy. Henry was like, John I am Don't making Quaylen. another movie. Would you like to be in it? <laughs> that's, uh, that's see, he could have been Dracula. He could have been. <laughs> well, what but, uh, I what I know about this movie is that Paul Henry 
was getting tired of playing those type of characters and he wanted to play a bad guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he also wanted to get into directing. And one of the studios, maybe Paramount, one of the bigger studios was going to make the movie, but he was able to make it at uh, Eagle Lion, which was like a poverty row studio. One of the one of the real cheapies uh, for, you know, much cheaper and he'd have complete creative control. So he opted to do that and get John Alton, who was the fastest DP and one of the best ones uh, to shoot it. So, hmm. yeah. So he got the opportunity to play a bad guy. The director, the credited director here is Steve Sekely. Sekely? Yeah, um, he's another guy who's Austrian and uh, he was like, you know, maybe going to produce it or his buddy or, but I don't think, I think... I don't know why he's credited. I think Paul Henry did most of the directing. Maybe mm -hmm. he fired Steve or maybe it was always going to be agreed that Steve was going to take off. That's what I read. But mm. it's probably we're not probably not looking at a, at a Sakelli picture. here. This is more of a Paul Henry. To, <laughs> I think it's more uh, of a Paul Henry. Yeah. Uh, Sakelli uh, did direct Day of the Triffids. Um, oh, which, oh, that's uh, like a little bee, a little bee monster. Movie. That's like yeah, a it's bee, kind of crazy. That Paul Henry, he he had uh, from 1942 and 1943. So he made Now Voyager, and then he made Casablanca. They were released 42 and 43, and that those are like his most famous movies. He had like a single year where he made all of the movies that anybody cares about. How did y'all like the movie? Oh, I think this is terrific. Uh, I think this is great. By the way, this is this was your recommendation. We were kind of like like we, yes. we, 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 we tossed around a few ideas, but we were like, oh, let's talk about a noir. And you said, you know what? Hollow Triumph, otherwise known as The Scar. Um, also known as uh, I, I Killed... The man, like the who, man killed who killed himself, himself or the man yeah. who killed the guy who looked a, like him or the man who <laughs> something like little, that. It's like spoiler uh, in the title, you guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a movie I had never heard of in my life. I would not have watched in a million. A, a couple, a, 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 I feel like maybe now a year or two back, you and I discussed a bunch of noir titles. And every once in a while, I'll pick one up out of the pile. And I kind of work, I'm working my way slowly through some of uh, some of Josh's recommendations. But this is not one that I'd gotten around to. And, and it's, and Hollow Triumph is a, is a great, efficient, really fun movie with a really commanding Paul Henry performance, I think. Yeah, he's great. I love him. I uh, Now Voyager is one of my favorite movies. And he's so good at being kind of like uh, a bunch of things at once. Like sort of like he's very... He he can be very sort of uh, soothing and commanding. Like in this scene, he uh, with uh, Joan Bennett, he slaps her across the face. She falls on the ground, and then he picks her up. And that's when I was like, "Oh my god, he's very large!" Because he puts his hands around her, mm -hmm. and his hands are her whole back. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, so, "Oh, so, sorry, I'll meet you on the boat to go to Hawaii to escape," and it's like. No, no, I mean. So yeah. when you think about it, when he carves that scar in his face, he's got a big, long face. So that's extra. Like that's if it were extra. our faces, we got small faces. Yeah. We would have done it like that. But yeah. he's got a long, big face. So that's a lot of cutting he had to do on that's his own face. That's why it takes so long. That's why that <laughs> that's shot. Actually, yeah, that's actually a thing that I'm always fascinated by when you see a talk show or something and you can see celebrities next to each other. <laughs> And some of them have gigantic heads and some of them have little tiny heads. Oh, yeah. Like uh, John Favreau. And then anybody else is like. Bogart had a big head. Bogart either had a big head or a tiny body. 
I think he had a tiny body. Right. I think he actually had a tiny body because he wore those lifts in uh, Casablanca because he had to be as tall as Paul Henry ish. What? Uh, how? Okay. I just. How tall do you think Bogart is? Let's see if we can uh, five. Uh, take a guess. Nine. Maybe he's five eight. Uh, unless there, unless this is a lie, he's five eight. Yeah. Which for a leading man is uh, yeah. so. Which so is yeah. not normal. You know who I realized Paul Henry was, and while I was watching this movie, finally, I was like, "It's Tom Hiddleston." <laughs> Like this is the same model of guy. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, are like, you saying Tom Hiddleston is a recycled Paul Henry face? Yeah, like, like I think people like Tom Hiddleston for sort of similar reason. Is he's like a very like classy European kind of guy, which mm-hmm. we haven't really had a lot in the movies. And then he's he's just he's just very similar. And I was like, oh my god, he could remake every one of his movies. Some this is f- part of a larger theory that you have, Josh, about recycled faces, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That I think we talked about this last time, did we not? Did we talk I about mean, recycled faces? I, don't, I, don't I mean, think so. we can recycle the recycled faces conversation. I don't think yeah. we, I don't well, think we, we got to get that recycled face uh, conversation <laughs> out in the open there. Yeah. But yeah, that like we 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 kind of respond to faces that we've seen before, perhaps in a different generation. Yeah. So uh, that's why I think, um, you know, children of stars uh audiences when they get put in the right position they're like okay i don't mind to this person they're good looking and they're good looking mm-hmm. in a way that i know mm-hmm. and uh they just look like you know whatever some you know whoever goldie hahn or or, yeah. or or kirk douglas or whatever yeah yeah um yeah but it does kind of apply. Yeah, I, can, I, can, I now see it looking at Paul Henry. And I'm like, that is a Hiddleston. Like, yeah. I, didn't, like, I didn't see the Hiddleston connection, but that doesn't mean that uh, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm right for not seeing it. Well, uh, now I, I actually I, was thinking about Joan Bennett and yeah. she is a similar type. Joan Bennett, I really like Joan Bennett. And I know they just did a feature of, of a bunch of her films on the Criterion channel, mm-hmm. but they didn't include this one. But I think that Joan Bennett, um, she's a real, you know, particular type. I think she's kind of similar in type to like Anne Sheridan. Uh, But I think Joan Bennett's maybe in as far as noir goes, she's in more good noir films. But I think I like Anne Sheridan a little bit better. I mean, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? For Anne Sheridan, Joan Bennett? um, Everyone gets into this argument. Yeah, I know. I don't want to rehash the same thing. It's like the most tired thing. People be having it at work tomorrow. Yeah. But um, Joan Bennett is great in this because she's she's great. She like she's a wisecracker. She's very upfront. In a, in a, you know, it's based on a novel, but she's very upfront in a way where it's like in the novel, it's very, very direct that she has, she has, she lives a life in which she is not a married lady. She is a woman who has sex with men. And then in a oh, noir oh, no. world. Yes. Oh my God. Well, because she's very like, yeah, you know, men are disappointing monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of. But when she sees Paul Henry and she thinks it's her boss and she kisses him and is like, you're not him immediately. I was like, that's a, that's a variation on this, uh, you know, that women can't tell the difference between uh, different people as long as they look the same. Like most yeah. movies depict, depict like a woman being like, I don't know. I, I mean, you look like my husband. <laughs> like, yeah. She can tell right away. The, his brother can't like, tell and she can tell right, right. away. Yeah. Well, because he's a better kisser. Yeah. I think is the implication is she's like, Oh wait, you're hot. I was just sleeping with him. 
<laughs> You're hot. And the therapist just had some He's money. Fine. Took me yeah. out to dinner nine times yeah. a time. And I didn't yeah. have that many options. Um, well, one thing about this movie that like I, I like it a lot too, and um I rewatched it before this. I watched it a year ago. Um, but I think that it's I don't typically like movies that hinge the whole plot on like coincidences, you know? But mm-hmm. This one, oh, I you think, mean was... a random dentist, which I accurately said was random. <laughs> you yes. mean a random dentist who happens to know someone who yes. looks like you in this city? <laughs> uh-huh. Well, let me just say, I in Los Angeles, there were a number of, there were a few people who, I mean, everyone gets mistaken for someone. Oh, who do you get mistaken for? Well, I used to, I mean, people used to come up to me and tell me I looked like Harry Potter all the time. Um, that I oh, couldn't seem the, to shake no matter what. Character? Well, they, or Daniel Radcliffe or whatever, you know. Uh-huh. But but people, I just couldn't shake it for years. And it started like right when the first movie came out. And I thought, oh, this will blow over. And it never did. But mm-hmm. um, but there was a guy for a few years that people thought was me. And they'd run into him and start talking to him and then realize they weren't talking to me. And they, I guess it happened to him a couple times. And then somehow through socially uh, someone introduced us i didn't think we looked alike but um mm-hmm. i remember him saying uh, does anyone ever mistake you for me and i was like no <laughs> and then i think he got mad but um wait who was this person oh i'm gonna say his name yeah he can't, he can't i know but i want to know we'll bleep it just tell us, just tell us his name was fergan scratchbreaker <laughs> was paul henry that's crazy his name was dr victor bartok <laughs> <laughs> this is also very um very of an era where psychoanalysis was kind of a newer thing like now Voyager deals with psychoanalysis quite a bit, so there's a, like an interest. Uh huh. Nightmare in, Alley, the original, yeah, very, does very that. Nightmare Alley, very yeah. Nightmare Alley. That it's like, oh, you can kind of use this if you're a dangerous person, even though he doesn't use it against his patients. He does use he does use his patients' information to try and hide out. Yeah. Uh, but it's an interesting kind of like variation on that, where it's not him being like a super genius who can. Uh, psychoanalyze people it's just n- not not terribly relevant to the plot really the you mean the 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 therapist element? yeah that that he is a therapist yeah well, right they don't he, work well, it yeah. in too much yeah. you mean they're well, just like, like he can do it yeah. because he went to medical school and right then he he's smart he, he himself was gonna be a psychiatrist you know well, he's like, not like hannibal lecter he's like he's just a guy <laughs> that took a psychology course and then when he has to bone up though he does take out a basic psychology book which i was mm-hmm. like yeah I he does, he he's a doctor did. he knows how to do his research <laughs> yeah and then he's the like, old lady I bet that look he's at basic psychology. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the old lady's like this was much different today. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, well, sometimes we have to try different tactics. Yeah, but she likes it. She's like, it was she better, it. right? She's great. It was, yeah. it, it was smoother. <laughs> She's yeah. like, you're a better kisser than the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, having the same take. I was going <laughs> to say about Joan Bennett, I like how her character, you know, for the, it's like, you know, the Hayes Code era, they worked in a woman who like... You know, she's kind of over it with this men thing and the dating thing and, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the whole thing of like, and that it suggests the way that it suggests like, oh, well, was having an affair with my boss, but uh, I don't really like him. And, you know, and, and her cynicism. And it's like not front and center of the movie, you know, it's just like a side character that's it's that's more fleshed out. 
Um, yeah. And, yeah, uh, but but, yeah, but she's yeah. she's more prominent than you would expect, I think. In her, like, she gets a my theory of life moment where he doesn't. See, which is unusual. I, I mean, think. my theory of life, meaning like, oh well, life. You're you're born, you died. You're born, lived, and died. Fucked like that yeah. and then Paul yeah, Henry she, is like I can, can make it to the top all I have to do is pretend and trick and deceive and steal and I'm going to skip the part where I finish medical school and just yeah. sneak, 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 sneak. didn't really understand why he didn't just put more effort into college because well you know like I know why because doctors are often psychopaths and oh, uh, psychopaths anyway right yeah, but yeah they're often psychopaths yeah. anyway I think yeah, that's what he's trying to say. Because what she says is, she says, it's very simple. You never expect anything. You'll never be disappointed. And he says, you're a bitter little lady. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then and then she's, he's like, well, you know, didn't you ever love anybody? And she's like, yeah, I did. Uh, but he was 12 and I was nine. So that's why I didn't marry him. And it's like, oh, okay. So it's been a minute mm. uh, since you actually loved anyone. Must have been um, a bad uh summer romance or whatever bad summer yeah, camp I don't romance. know if that's appropriate nine and twelve that's too big of an age gap I also think it's funny that scene with the dentist when he comes into the office and he's like you know me I don't usually I'm not the type of person who just talks about himself I think about other people or doesn't he say yeah. something like that yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the best joke in the movie is it's a very funny scene when he takes over Bartok's role and he it starts with the dentist, but then he sees patients. And I was like, oh, we're going to get a I, there's a there would have been an element where it would have been funny for him to, like, start talking to the patient, like actually see those sessions. But what's so great is he doesn't have to say anything. He just stands in the corner and smokes cigarettes and, and people come in, talk about their problems, ask questions, answer their own questions. He can't mm -hmm. even get a word in. He's just sitting nope. people. He realizes the job is just listening, really. Yeah, it seems like it would be very easy to just do this. <laughs> if just only, find a guy if, you if look exactly five, like. <laughs> yeah, you find a dead ringer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, um, you, then you inevitably murder him and go, oh, no. That scene, though, where they're like, oh, the negative is flipped. It doesn't matter. I mean, what's it going to matter to him? And I was like, all right, this you could have written this scene better. <laughs> well, I think that's what my 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 feeling about it is like, there's a lot of it that's just like, this is silly. This is nonsense. This is like just pulpy fictional nonsense and for me i enjoyed it by just being like all right normally i don't i'm not i'm not into this sort of stuff in movies but i just just feel so like heightened or or playful that we're in movie land now so okay yeah. i guess i <laughs> guess this world doubles the doppelgangers do exist and uh you know i don't know it just it's also the movie tries to squeeze in like a whole bunch of movie in a way that I think is interesting. Like it's like it starts out like he's a guy out of jail and now it's a heist movie. And then now, you know, he's got the bad guys after him. And then now suddenly it's a that's a lookalike movie. And then now suddenly yeah. he's just pretending to be a, a therapist movie, you know, and then and so on. Well, yeah. he has he has a surprisingly large number of jobs for a criminal. So he's a, he works at his brother's office and he finds that boring. And then he he's a uh, he's how do you like that when he's working it's just kind of stamping yeah he's, he's just, just oh, kind yeah. of stamping yeah. stuff yeah. this is why That's, I yeah. didn't finish college stamp stamp and then he works at a gas station and then he works as a therapist he does not actually seem to be a very good criminal because he's like this is going to be great the heist is going to be amazing you have to do this heist with me in a very sort of heat way his like 
co-conspirator is like, but I don't want to. And he's like, I could have taken you to jail with me and I didn't. So you have to do this heist. And then they're immediately, it's immediately bad. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're all, still they're from the wrong guy. Like yeah. they, they. Most it, of them die. And then some of them yeah. get away. And then they get, one of them gets murdered in Mexico. And then it's down to him. Yeah. And there's an ironic twist. It, it, it's, I don't know. I liked every moment of this really. I mean, I like, I like the setup of stealing from the wrong guy. So you're either, you're either, you're between the cops and you're on the run from the cops, but you're also on the run from the guy that you stole from. Mm-hmm. And then you get a doppelganger element and then a twist to the doppelganger element, you know, and, the, and the, but then what's interesting is that that twist doesn't really affect anything. It's just, it's just put in there for suspense. And by the twist, I mean the, the, uh, the scar, the, the, uh, the alternate yeah, it doesn't really matter. Scar. And the yeah. scene that's so interesting to me is when he walks out and the cleaning lady is like, like the, the scar. And he's like, oh, you noticed, didn't you? And he just puts our hand, his hand on her cheek and he's like, it's almost like the, the most intimacy that occurs in this movie is him being like, you, you see me. You just see me. You actually are registering me. And no one else is really paying attention to who I am, but you are. And you're, you're like, okay, I don't need to understand this. That's just who you are. And then he leaves. Yeah. Where you would expect him to just kill her. Uh, but he doesn't. He's just like, I don't. Okay. Yeah. I think he just, uh, he kind of likes that, that this lady sees him. Yeah. I think he does. Which is a, is a, I mean, I guess it's not a very noir guy thing. To have like a moment with an old lady. Somebody needs to watch a little more noir. Because I've seen a lot of old, old guy with a, a guy with an old lady moments. <laughs> like a little, little, a little spicy? Just a little to, bit spicy? It used to happen all the time. I Guys mean, used to hang out with old ladies a lot. Yeah. Why well, that's the most noir like, thing there is. Like the the kind of like the the like the the brassy old dame who rents you the room. That lady's in a lot of noir. You know, yeah. the one who's like, I used to be in pictures here. The you, bed is you, it's two dollars a, a month. Oh, <laughs> you used to not be able to get an apartment without talking to an old lady. Yeah, that was right. the, yeah. she's like, and, no and, guests and unless they're me. A, you had to be a, a war a war veteran, you know, renting it mm-hmm. renting it from like a you know, she's a widow or or an old spinster or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. she comes in it because your 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 uh your night terrors are too loud. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, stop <laughs> it! If you're gonna stay in my place, you gotta keep it down. Like, she's not a she's not. She's I'll not have a you sister. thrown out. I'll have you thrown out. <laughs> and then he throws a bottle of gin at her. It's great. I mean, all these movies exist. <laughs> Let's keep watching. I remember it, yeah. in, uh, in JFK, Lee Harvey Oswald rents a room from an old lady, and she mm-hmm. comes in and says, "Are you okay, Mister Lee?" Would you like to look at television, Mr. Lee? Oh. And he goes, and he goes, no, no, no. He's, uh, but I always remember that part. Like it just this, that's what you, that's what people, I, that's basically my life. I sort of just rent mm-hmm. rooms from people and, and I rented my, my apartment from an old lady. The only difference is it wasn't like a room in a house. It was just Mr. A Ryan, would you like to borrow from my DVD collection? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. Uh, but see, that's your, that's, 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 uh. Oliver Stone's Fablements. It's just that one scene. The time that his yes, mom that let him his, watch television. <laughs> yeah. Um, how'd you like all those LA locations in the movie? Uh, this is, There's yeah, this cool. is shot all over downtown LA. Uh, yeah, they got Angel's Flight in there. 
Mm-hmm. Angel's flight. Th- there's a there's a chase scene where Paul Henry is being pursued by the I guess the gangsters uh, henchmen. Jack Webb is one of them uh, of Dragnet fame. Yep, Jack Webb. I believe this is might he be his first role or close yeah, to first yeah, role? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I saw that too. Um, and they they <laughs> follow him like past a couple. I forget the names of the old hotels, but they're they're basically it's a chase scene through downtown L.A. And Paul Henry gets on to Angel's flight and the guys chase him on to Angel's flight as if it is moving the speed of like a train car mm-hmm. and he kicks them off and they fall down the hill. But in, in, if, if you don't know Angel's flight, it doesn't move very fast. Oh, my God, it does. When you're going down the hill. When you're going up the hill, it's very slow. But they're going up go, the hill. In this scene, what, they're going up the hill. Yeah, but and but, when he kicks them off, it's just like this not this is not like kicking a guy off out of a moving car. It's like you could catch up to if you jogged a little bit up the hill, yeah. you could well, catch up with Angel's Flight. There's a path right next to it. I mean, now there's a path right next there's to it. There's a path. You could you could run on the track of Angel's Flight. If yeah, you were, but I I think it is a little bit scary because I only went on it. I think I went on a long time ago and I went on it probably in the last six months. And I was really like, this thing kind of feels like you're about to die when you're going down. <laughs> like, people do die on it. I think it does. People that's do. That's why they, they shut it down and they fixed it. But it's like there's a there's a track where it splits. So you see another train car coming up directly towards you as mm. you're going down. And then all of a sudden it shifts and goes past you. But it goes down like at a... A very bumpy, kind of fast, and I completely I, disagree I think if you with kicked, this. If you kicked somebody off of it, I think they would roll down the hill and die. I think I. When was the last time I you went am, on Angel's Fight? I'm a. <laughs> I went. I went on last year. I was. It was the first time. I, first and last time I've been on. I was. I would be. I would defy you to kill someone on Angel's Flight. I don't think it's possible to die on Angel's Flight. I haven't been on Angel's Flight since <laughs> oh. 1944. <laughs> Well, they have a little door on the back, which I think originally they didn't have. Uh, but yeah, if you slipped, you would just slide out the back and fall down the hill. No, I'm I am uh, I'm giving this movie Angel's Flight is scary and you're giving it it isn't scary. I just don't think it's I just thought it was a funny detail that that, that Angel's Flight is treated like an actual like an I, actual mode of like an actual train. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but I think I went on with the kids, but so maybe this much reflects cheaper some of that. To, to film the action, you know, kick kick the bad guy off shot on that than an actual train, probably. Yeah, you oh, set yeah, the camera sure. right up, and then you got the whole you got the whole action film. I mean, there yeah. was a part of this movie where I was just like, "Oh, this transfer is terrible," and it it, it like you can see the middle of the screen, but it's all it's like it's not. Um, Did you watch the, this, the one called The Scar or the or Hollow Triumph? Hollow Triumph on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was this, just, is, this movie it was fell not, out of the public domain. I think that's why the transfer. Yeah, it fell into like, the public domain. And I think that yeah. it was restored recently or a few years ago. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I think there's probably some crappy versions out there. Yeah, I definitely did not see. It wasn't the blacks were not black, Ryan. Let's just say that the blacks, the blacks were not black enough. Yeah, this is this is a movie that's begging for a for a a, a well. I'm sure, I think there is a, a DVD restoration of it, but yeah, whatever's floating around there. There's a there's a there's a um, uh, it was put out by something called the Film Detective, which is like they restore them a little bit. You know what I mean? But they oh, yes. release a lot of cleaned up public domain versions of of movies. Oh, like Beat the Devil. Yeah, I think oh, that's that, a classic uh, one. I think mm-hmm. they don't uh, necessarily all look good. 
But, <laughs> They're uh, just like, it's here. Yeah. It's not destroyed completely. Yeah. I mean, I wanted this movie to look a little bit better, but I realized also that it was not. That it was just because it was a bad transfer. I think it's a bad transfer because the movie I saw it on TCM, I think, uh, a couple of years ago, and it looked really good. And, you know, the, the cinematographer is like the guy credited with one of the guys foremost credited for uh, creating the noir style visually, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, John, John Alton. Yeah, John Alton. Uh, not to be confused with John Alcott, who was a Kubrick cinematographer on a couple films. Um, Alton, notably. Or John uh, Alonzo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who shot uh, Chinatown. Yes, John. Yeah, uh, all these guys. Yeah. So keep your keep your Johns straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but this movie, uh, Raw Deal, is another one. Uh, yeah, a really bu- beautiful, dreamy movie, uh, Raw Deal. Um, and yeah, uh, John Alton, I think, is a big uh, a big part of that. Um, and you have to imagine if Paul, I, I mean, part of me thinks if Paul Henry, if there was a director switchover, and Paul, and this is perhaps Paul Henry's first time behind the camera. To, not to say that John Alton directed it, but it's but it helps to have somebody that's that brilliant behind the, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's what's yeah. so interesting about his about like his filmography. Like he liked to shoot a lot of like kind of cheap movies and B movies. And he, you know, like but there, but if you look at like if you look at his filmography, um, some of the movies he shot just look like amazing. He Walked by Night, The Crooked Way, Border Incident. What else? Reign of Terror. Reign of Terror is like it's a noir movie set in the French. It's a noir style movie, but set during the French Revolution. And no. uh, they get really flamboyant with the camera work. People Against O'Hara with Spencer Tracy. That's a good movie. I've never seen that. I've never seen uh, I just watched it. A pretty decent version on YouTube the other day. Oh, People Against O'Hara. Um, this movie has, in terms of look, the 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 scenes that I like the most were those. Well, really, the casino robbery scene has this whole uh, the lighting scene in that is insane. It's like beautifully kind of softly lit tables and uh, the. I think I, I believe Alton authored a book or a seminal. What is the book called? It's, it's called uh, Painting with Light. Painting with Light. That's like a seminal cinematography text, I think. Um, but uh, that and then there's these scenes, there's moments that seem very modern, two shots where Paul Henry enters the office and they're sort of like POV shots. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of break off. Uh, I think there's like two or three POV shots. There's that scene and the scene where Paul Henry hits Joan Bennett. You mm-hmm. see that's a POV well, shot from a, her opinion. Yeah, where, she, where they're sitting on the couch and then he stands up into the shot. There's mm-hmm. a strange kind of like... They don't cross the line, but it's just like, huh. It's like feels sort of disjointed. Yeah, their relationship is interesting. I think I always come at these movies sort of more from the perspective of like what is different about this one. And Mm -hmm. because so many of these like they have sort of like a standard man and a standard woman. And I think what I liked about this one (laughs) is that. He wasn't really hard boiled in terms of women. He didn't really have a problem with women. That was not, you know, on so many film noir characters, they do. They're they're kind of like you know Kirk Douglases who are just like, um, <clears throat> you know, they treat women like crap, and that's part of their criminality, sort of. Like they always have dames in their club, or you know that that sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one isn't really like that. He's just kind of. You know, he's just like 
basic abusive, you know, slapping women around. He's just movie entertaining abusive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just like, let me slap you. Let me kiss you. I don't know what this means. For like, I'm for feeling like par, for the, par for the era. Yeah, it's not yeah. even, doesn't even register as abusive in 48. Right. Because you got to slap a woman to get her to listen because the uh -huh. women get hysterical and you got to slap them. And it's, she, yeah. Did you see the scene? She wasn't listening. She wasn't listening. She wasn't listening. You know, this is also in an era when people would hit their children for not listening. So there's a lot of slapping going on to get women and children to listen. <laughs> well, um, something yeah. I did notice when I started watching a lot of noir movies is that there would be fight scenes with men sometimes. And I'm trying to think who did it the best or the most. Sometimes the men would slap a man. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of man slapping. <laughs> man well, slapping men. And that that's pretty entertaining when a man slaps a man. That's not common now. Like, has Tom Hiddleston slapped a man? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe well, not. One of the one of but the most a, yeah. uh, jarring kind of violent moments in this is where it's like early on when they're planning the heist and the guy takes a drink and Paul Henry just knocks the drink out of his yeah, hand. He, just slapped, he slaps yeah. the drink. Yeah. <laughs> he slaps it's a, the whole bottle a, of alcohol. It's a jarring moment. Without being an overtly violent moment, it's like, oh, okay, this guy's just got like, a What did I say? Yeah. I went to jail for you. Yeah. But yeah. then uh, I realized that there's like a there's like a move that is a it, it looks like a wrestling move that's in old movies, but it isn't now where uh, when the when the heist goes wrong and there's like there's like a chase scene through the alleys and there's a guy who jumps and he jumps with his arms out like this to grab a guy. And um, you're putting your arms up and up and yes, up I'm putting my arms head. up like yes. Superman. Superman arms, but like leaping with arms already out yeah. to grab someone, which it's funny how they're like physical tropes that go out of fashion. We don't, we don't do leaping, jumping oh, yeah, yeah. with arms uh, yeah, out. During, during, you know wait, what I mean? Are, are you talking about during the heist yeah, part? Yeah. 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 Um, He's like trying to grab somebody. And I was like, huh, we don't I've, really do that anymore, do we? I've seen that in also a lot of old movies where sometimes the way that they shoot a, a fight scene it's like there's the regular coverage and the close-ups and the tight angles, and then it's time for the fight scene, and the and the angle just cuts to a wide shot, and both the men are like duking it out, and, <laughs> yeah. and you know it's clear it's two stuntmen, you know, fighting yeah. in a very like um, choreographed stuntman way. That yeah. that also is a very uh, older trend of stunt stunt fighting. Yeah, like you could get away with doing it by just having a pad. And it's like, I'm going to go grab that guy. And you sort of see them sail over what is just a pad under them, not an actual guy. I've never really thought about this, but that is a, the, we talk so much about it, about styles of acting, about how acting changed with method acting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about st how stunt work has changed. Like there's, there are ways that bodies fall that they don't fall anymore. Like there's yeah. a way. Well, now it's all very parkour. It's like everything has to be a fluid movement from one thing to the next, which probably keeps them from being injured as much. Because just flinging yourself towards someone is probably not great for your body. Yeah. Um, how do you guys think this, you know, pairs up with other twin movies, lookalike movies, uh, Dead Dead Ringer dead movies? Ringers, yeah. Yeah. There's Dead Ring. There's one called Dead Ringer, I think, also. And then there's yeah, there's one called, yeah. like, I think, Dark Victory or no, what's got it's oh, Olivia de Havilland twin movie, maybe. Not yeah, Dark Victory is not. Uh, that's not it. This that's, movie reminded me a bit of, of Dark Victory with Humphrey Bogart only because there's there's 
that's the one where it's, it's partially a lot of it from his point of view. Yeah. Which it, for some, I think I think just those, those POV shots reminded me of dark victory. Also, the, also a guy kind of augmenting his face. No, um, dark victory is, um, is that Betty Davis is in it? Betty Davis. What? Yeah. It's where she has a brain tumor and it's like, don't tell her she's going to go blind and then she's going to die. What am I thinking of? Which Bogart movie are you thinking of? The, the, you're thinking of the Bacall one where he picks, she picks him up by oh, the Dark side Passage. Of the road. Oh, Dark, Dark Passage. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Passage. Yeah, and he's okay. got a mat. Okay. He's got that's not a lookalike movie, but he's got he's he's he like does, it's all his POV, and then they yeah. cut. Yeah, yeah, he gets the yeah. facelift, and then it's Bogart okay. So in that the reminds. Have I seen Dark? I, okay, I've not seen Dark Victory. I haven't Dark seen Dark Victory, Victory either. Great. There's one called The Dark Mirror with Olivia De Havilland where she plays twins, and one of them's bad, but we don't know which. Yeah, and Dead Ringer is is Betty Davis, Betty Davis. But then there's Dead Ringers, and it's Jeremy Irons, right. Jeremy Irons. Which is a um, really great movie. And now has it been adapted for Rachel Weisz as, as the twins? Uh, oh, there's yeah. a new there's a new Dead Ringers remake it's with Rachel Weisz? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Hold I it. I'm sure I it'll be a, a, a wonderful nine-hour version of a Dead Ringers. Oh, shut up. I, I have seen. <laughs> I've seen Dead Ringers. I've seen Dead Ringer. I've seen both. Yeah, I like. I like. I remember. I. Th- I got. It. I. Don't it's know very if I campy. The, I remember Ringer this. I think. Campy. Yeah, I think Dead Ringer is a good movie. I remember liking Dead Ringer. Oh, but it's definitely the thing- in the in the the the, uh, the high makeup. Do you know who directed was- Dead Ringer? Paul Henry. That's right. I think I saw that. Yes. I think I saw that and I was like, wait a second. Paul Henry had made him. Is, so Dead Ringer, is it a twin movie? It is. Though. Yeah, because so, yeah. she has a twin. So he was like, there's some things I could have done better. And then he went and he's like, I'm going to make this other twin movie. So she's really just playing him from this movie. Yeah. They're the guy's quite a bit got apart. something to say. They're, they're about 16 years apart. The, yeah, but uh, then his daughter is in Dead Ringer, I think. Because there's like a weird level of focus on this one young woman in Dead Ringer. And I remember when I watched that movie, I was like, what is this? And it's Paul Henry's daughter. And he was just like, this is my beautiful daughter. I'm Monica Henry. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. think you can follow her on um, Instagram and, and she has a Paul Henry Instagram account that's like, check out my dad. Here's what my here's stuff about my dad. My dad was great. Oh. So she's still at it. Promoting I'll send her a message. I'll be like, "I love your dad. Your dad was cool." Um, what are the other What are the other twin movies? I'm uh, uh, besides Twins, the classic Social uh, Network, uh, or just like <laughs> even like lookalike movies or movies with like that kind of coincidence, you know? Or yeah, it's the just a thing. Gang, yeah, yeah, like even like comedy stuff where it's like Dave or something like that, or like there's one with uh, with Peter Sellers where it's like the king. Look, he's a buffoon oh, who looks yes, just like the, the king. The, the mouse who roared. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. there's all that kind of stuff, and it's like a, a lone lookalike. And but I think that oh, to be uh, into that movie, there. you have to know you're being getting there. into that movie. Being there doesn't have twins. Yeah, but it's it's like a. Well, they're oh, mistaken. Well, yeah, they're mistaken. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not, not twins, really. but it's it's not like he's matching somebody. It's that they think he you is think he's someone that he isn't. Yeah, you know the movie Similar. I wanted to like more uh, was uh, the Double, the uh, oh, Richard Iodi movie yeah. with Jesse Eisenberg, which is a doppel kind of a more existential doppelganger story the dust what do you think story. did he make that who made that someone made that where it was uh like someone cool someone. richard aoati yes that's right that's right yes yes from, yeah that's uh, what i said yeah that, that's what I said. that movie's not that good i wish that was a better yeah. movie um 
Then, no. Uh, I think uh, Hollow Triumph pulls it off. And, and I, I'm thinking the reason that I like it, even though that's a thing I'm sort of like, eh, coincidences are kind of boring. Yeah, I guess because the plot doesn't necessarily... Well, I guess the plot does hinge on it. It's just, it's not that important. You know, it's like he does it. He does, there happens to be look like, and then he moves on with his life after he kills the guy. And then we'd see, eventually it catches up to him. Maybe there's something about how heightened it all is. Mm-hmm. It just feels very pulpy. It's almost like a Twilight Zone episode, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the ironic twist is that the doctor owes tons of money. So he's sort of, he's being pursued by thugs also, which is like a, uh, it's very Twilight Zone. Which I gotta like, say, I didn't see coming. I was like, that movie, that surprised me. Because I was like, my, the main thing, the movie's like, okay, the scar. When is the scar gonna catch up? Right. Someone's <laughs> gonna see that scar. Someone's gonna, and it makes you really think, because you're like, if would I notice a scar, if you had a scar on your face and suddenly it switched sides, would would you notice? And in a day and age with like no social media and no camera phones and you're not double checking it or whatever, it would be kind of easy, I think, to pull this off. I think the movie is is quite realistic or I think it's more realistic than maybe it's not so far fetched. Yeah. Can you think is there someone with a famous like Harrison Ford? We know he's got a scar on his chin, but does it swoop down to the left or does it swoop down to the right without looking it up? Do you think you could answer it? Probably. I would say it swoops to the right or swoops to the right from my Sw- point of view. Swoops so it swoops to, to okay, the left. So swoops well, to which his, way would the whip be? In in uh, <laughs> in Last Crusade? Because we all know that's yeah. how we got it. Okay, how yeah, about is De Niro's it. mole on his left or right side of his face? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking. His right? I don't know. You know, he could switch it if he wanted to. Honestly, oh, he, he just could do like, a switch. C- Cindy Crawford <laughs> could put her beauty dot on the one different side. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. nobody you knows know, this. Speaking of, there's a noir actor named George McCready who uh, he's got a big scar on his face and he often plays a sexually ambiguous villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in Gilda. Oh, you he's mean in... he's the origin of Scar from The Lion King? <laughs> Maybe. 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 Who plays <laughs> Scar? Sounds like he is. <laughs> Does Jeremy he play... Irons. <laughs> Jeremy Irons of uh, De- Dead Ringers. George McCready might... Let's see. Who does the voice of Shere Khan in uh, The Jungle Book? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, George McCready, he's in Paths of Glory. He's in, uh-huh. uh, um, but he's a, he's got a scar on his face. Oh, There's George Saunders in, does uh, Shere Khan. Aha, uh-huh, it's a different yes. George, but yeah. George mm-hmm. Saunders, that's right. George Saunders is something, he's like that. Yes. You know, something interesting about George Saunders that I didn't know, George Saunders plays in a series of films, which I think is like loosely based off Marlowe but it's called The Falcon. It's like serialized noir films. Yes. Mm. And his brother, who looks a lot like him, Tom Conway, played the role first. Or no, Saunders played it first and then handed it off to Tom Conway. Oh, his so brother. They, yeah, his brother. So they both played The Falcon. Oh, and, I've never seen one, a Falcon picture. I hear they're I think they're kind, of, they're kind of silly. They're a little uh. silly. Uh, the actor uh, George Saunders, um, he died in a a suburb of Barcelona <clears throat> that I have been to. Oh, oh, died by suicide. George yeah. Saunders did. I didn't have anything yeah. to do with it. Okay, <laughs> stop asking. Are you sure me. you weren't there? <laughs> <laughs> I was. There. I mean, I happened to be there at the same time, but it's not relevant. George Sanders. George Sanders. Mm-hmm. Sanders. George, George Sanders. George Sa- Saunders. George, is Saunders, George is a Saunders is a writer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln and Bardo. Um, yes, George Sanders and Tom Conway, brothers. 
Hmm. God, he made a t- Sanders made a ton of movies. I tend to because I like I really like George Sanders, and I I um yeah, feel like where's he's... all his movies? Where's it? You know, what movie he's great in is um Victor Mature. Uh, what is it? It's a biblical movie. Um, uh, Samson and Delilah. Uh, uh-huh. Terrific, terrific villain. Terrific campy villain. Yeah, he did uh, always play sort of like sexually fluid people who were like, I don't know, whatever's working to get me more stuff. There's a good I, noir with George Sanders called Witness to Murder, and it's got Barbara Stanwyck in it. And that's pretty mm. that's a pretty entertaining one. And there's a few I haven't seen. And I'll tell you why, because one too many accents, one fancy accent in a noir i'm okay with as long as we keep it in the united states but if we get if we have to deal with paul henry and george sanders together and then throw tom conway in there and you know george mm. mccready and we get lou adler doing a uh some silly accent that he doesn't need to do then that's just too much just go mm-hmm. back to, go back to la you know what i mean yeah. Go to go to a small town in Texas or something like that. Try, you know, Try I don't, you know, I may, yeah. I may not be. With, I like the 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 noirs and different. Well, because one of my favorite noirs is Night in the City. Jules Disson. Uh, oh, that's great. That's that's great. England. That's that's kind of like America. And but then, doesn't noir come out of German directors coming to the United States? It does. A lot of it does, but that doesn't. I mean. I, you don't care. I can You're try like... to reason with it, you know, but it just doesn't. I just this don't want to. Feeling, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't mm-hmm. want to run around the dirty. I mean, Night in the City is just great, and you can't deny it. But like. If you're telling me, if you're asking me, do I want to watch The Third Man and, you know, Too Late for Tears, which is an L.A. movie, I'm like, I'm going to go with the L.A. movie, mm-hmm. you know, uh... and The Third Man's famous, uh, a famous uh, love, beloved movie. I just I don't have time for uh, going all the way over to that country right now. Sure. Interesting. Interesting. I, I want to yeah, be able I, to I, I, go across I... the street and then come right back home. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, would I, say I mean, I, I, I like all that stuff because I think it, I mean, it, it comes out of sort of like they, like it infused Hollywood with this, this like, uh, actually, you know, maybe, maybe, the, maybe there's something creepier going on with people. Uh, and the contrast there is interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a noir film called Assignment Paris and uh-huh. it's got all my favorite noir actors in it. And I, I've tried to watch it like, five or six times and it's just so damn boring you know and it's got like the best got two great noir directors did it let's look at it's got dana andrews marta Torin, george sanders audrey totter you know and then it's also got jay adler who's a character actor and it's got a bunch of people the movie's boring and it's because mm-hmm. they go to paris just just stay in new york mm-hmm. paul freezes mm-hmm. in it you know uh so that's just another example assignment paris Boring. I, I just Don't think the, I think so, I, I, the three that I can think of. Uh, one was, uh, well, I think it's another Jules Dessen, but movie. I love Rafifi. I love Rafifi too. That hey, one is what another. What are you example. talking about? And You're I just love, like one after another. Well, Jules Dessen is an <laughs> yeah. American director. Let me tell you, Jules Dessen is American. He's from from Connecticut. But the other one, and that he's I, blacklisted. He had no other choice. Yeah, he, okay. he had to go. The one though yeah. that I like, uh, and it rem- I thought of it because I, of Paul Henry is uh, uh, he remi- Paul Henry reminds me of uh, Jean uh, Gabon, and, uh-huh. and, the, and uh-huh. the terrific uh-huh. movie uh, uh, Touche, the Touche Paz a uh, Grisby. A Grisby. 
Mm-hmm. Hands mm-hmm. off the loot. That's a terrific movie. I haven't I seen that one, but I got it. I got it. I got it on DVD, ready to watch. It's a good. Uh, they use part of the score in The Irishman, um, but that's a good oh. French noir. I feel yeah. like the I like the French noirs. I, don't, French I, mean, noir, I might be with you on fr- some of the, the French will do okay with their noir. Like I, I also like the Gambler guy. What's his name? Uh, uh, Bob Le Flambeur. Oh, that's uh, a great one too. It's uh, it's a heist movie. Melville. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, that's a great one. It's kind of like, um, and, and Rififi's a great one. Some of the heist ones are pretty good. Um, and I like, you know, Elevator to the Gallows and stuff like that. But uh, if my preference is we we stay in the United States. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just you know, want them to be, be gallows, but in, in English. It, yeah, it, it can, you know, well, the thing about Rififi is they don't even talk that much in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Biggest but parts but you could tell they're not in L.A. Yeah, they're not in L.A. I think I like French noir better than French New Wave. I'm just, I'm just this is now just dawning on me. Yeah, I, I think can, you're I, right. More fun. I don't really care for French New Wave that much. Maybe I got to watch more. How's Shoot the Piano Player hold up? I like that movie. That's kind of a noir, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess you could say that uh, Killing of a Chinese Bookie is a little bit of a noir. Yeah. Yeah, it's a neo-noir. Most mm-hmm. definitely a neo noir. Yeah, I but mean, it doesn't look. Is like... it even neo though? Is it even? Is it even? Or is it? Well, well you. Well, like when does noir proper end? Late fifties. Uh, yeah, like fifty nine. Some people debate it, but I think the the uh, historians say you know around. Some say as early as fifty five. It's done, but others say there's some tricklers that come in all the way through sixty two. Like um, the killing is a late. What year's the killing? That's it's like, like... fifty five or fifty. I think it's 54, 55. But that's like one, probably one of the last late, true noirs. Probably. Yeah, I think the people, some historians point to Touch of Evil as the last noir. Others say Odds Against Tomorrow is the last noir. Um, and uh, other people, I think Eddie Muller, I saw him say on TCM that um, Psycho starts out like a noir and then in the middle of the movie becomes something completely different. And it's the end of noir. Mm. Which could be interesting if you think about that, because Hitchcock did make these two very like take them seriously noir movies, I Confess and uh, uh, The Wrong Man. And they're very like buttoned down, you know, noirish, not black and white. And I don't think either of them were like big hits. So he went back to making the glossy, glitzy, glamoury, big big movies and then and then weird sexy ones yeah yeah the weird sexy ones the rich people sex the rich people hot stuff ones and then he went back to uh psycho which is gritty dirty but not noir but then yeah but then yeah it gives you a little twist he killed the genre yeah he killed the genre in the shower he flushed right down the shower toilet well i think there's a case to be made that part of the reason why that genre would be killed by that is like oh we reached the end of it now we actually saw the naked woman and we act, like the implications have he, all. He like, took that pesky haze code and stuck a knife right into its heart. Yeah. But then once you've done it, it's like so much of film noir, I think, is is implications of things. Mm. And then if you just do it, then what else is there to do? Yeah. Well, I guess that's what the six. Here we are in 1960. Psycho just came out. I guess we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see if we're going to be able to watch uh, nine songs in the future. <laughs> well, that's what I, that's what I, why I, I have such affection for. Well, we, actually, last time you were here, we discussed Douglas Sirk's um, 
written on the wind, but I have such affection for those movies, particularly All That Heaven Allows or whatever, because you feel like you're watching, I'm watching the code. Can I crack the code uh -huh. of what the movie's really about? It's really right. about, you know, and yeah. then now you just, if you make that movie, it's it's far from heaven. And it's, and I like that movie too, but it's not, there's no code. There's no, right. Yeah, you know. I watched a different Douglas Sirk movie um, uh, on Criterion Channel and it had uh, um, Barbara Stanwyck and it had, oh, I think it was called, oh, There's Always Tomorrow. Fred, Fred McMurray. Yeah, Fred McMurray. I was like, I can't. They're going and looking at the, the, the toys that he designed. And I was like, this is too depressing. So what was interesting about that one, I think I was watching, <laughs> I was like, come on, come on, come on. And like, also, I think there was something where it was like, oh, it's Joan Bennett is in, is in the, is the wife. And, yeah. and he goes back with Joan Bennett because he's trying to do the right thing to the in by the by the For his standards awful children, of children, yeah. <laughs> by the standards of that day. Mm -hmm. So by yeah. the end of the movie, the the I think I was watching. I was like, oh, this movie on the surface it appears like this movie is like um, thinks Fred McMurray is doing the honorable thing or whatever because he's going to go be a uh, a good a good dad and a good husband and stay with his wife who wants him to stay with him. But really, the real victim of the whole thing is Barbara Stanwyck, the single woman. Mm hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's well, it's also I feel an like interesting that one that, that it's not, she's not the other, like, it was too depressing. But what I did appreciate about it was that it was, it, it was an older woman that he was more into who was like, had just picked her career over having a family and marrying him. Yeah. And then and when she gets punished career. by society. She gets punished right. by the era. That's how well, I she's in it. another movie that I was watching. That's um, where she plays a lady who, who uh, went and went on the stage. She went and uh, I forget the name of it, but she's a uh, lady of burlesque. No, it's like, she's a vaudeville performer. She's kind of like it, like she was an actress and then she sort of like, not not been on Broadway. She's a faded. She's a faded yeah. actress. And she Barbara gets a letter from her kid who she abandoned like 15 years ago because she has three kids and she just left her small town. And then one of the other actresses is like, hey, why don't you just go and see her school play? Like, why don't you just go and like instead of hustling, why don't you just go home? Because I think you still have a house there. And so she goes back and the the husband, there's all this tension with the husband. Because he's like, you left me a long time ago. But it's kind of it's kind of like an interesting era for her. Of, like, she plays in the in the fifties. She plays a lot of uh, interesting like single women, divorced women, women who chose mm -hmm. a career uh, over uh, over a marriage or whatever, or people who you know. As as well, she played some good characters who terrorized the men. Um, mm -hmm. Forty guns. She could she, an actual Western guns. performer that could do. She could do. She really could do the, all the horse stuff and everything. Like a real, what was the one where she she's she's like an invalid? That's um the one about don't don't call here. Or what's it called? Call tomorrow. The for don't sorry yeah. wrong number. Sorry wrong number. And it's like a yeah. And she and she says to, I'm sorry. You're gonna have to hang on one moment. I'm an invalid. Yes. <laughs> Hold on. I can't hear you. Or what is the reason why she can't? Crime of Crime of Passion is one though I wanted to recommend. It's a later noir, and she and she's uh, writes for a newspaper, and she meets Sterling Hayden, and and uh, she falls for him, and he's a cop, but he's not like a top cop. He's just like doing okay, fine cop, you know. And his mm -hmm. uh, his his boss is uh, Royal Dano, and 
So she starts getting competitive and trying to like get Sterling Hayden higher up on the police force. Mm-hmm. But Sterling Hayden doesn't really care that much. He's just content. And she's like, oh, why do you, why are you just so damn content with mediocrity? And, um, yeah, it's a great frust. It's like a, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. This, this for, for centuries, this was how women had to deal with it. They were like, let me just make you more powerful. Like a uh, last picture show mm-hmm. when, um, it's like, um, you, you're, but daddy was poor when you married him. And she's mm. like, yeah, but I scared him into getting rich. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that part? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I like the movie. Uh, Sybil Shepard's mom. JC's mom. Yeah. She looks like she's trying to be like, no, but my boyfriend is cool. J- Jeff Bridges. Character. Um, um, yes. 40 guns. That's a good one. Barbara really Stanwyck. Trying. There's some good, but there's some great Barbara Stanwyck. You know what noirs. I just thought would what? be amazing is Keanu Reeves should just remake uh, Barbara Stanwyck movies because Forty Guns <laughs> sounds like a Keanu Reeves movie. Oh, it sounds like a new John Wick for <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be incredible? A sort of like soft man playing a hard lady part. Well, I think it's time. I think it'd be very interesting. Yeah, I guess that's a trend where they they'll they might take like a classic tough guy movie now and remake mm-hmm. it with a woman mm-hmm. and so maybe they should start taking some tough woman movies from the past yeah. or or women struggling within the marriage movies in the past and then now recast it's time for the men to get some jobs off yeah. these remakes too yeah well they did that with but, the with the let's remake let's do a marriage. male version of fried green tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Because Truly two male guys st- who are friends who are raising a kid. <laughs> male steel magnolia. Yes. It's a bunch of old guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there's a there's They an did like a lifetime, that. they did like an African American steel magnolias. Uh, did they? Uh, yeah, I think it was like for they a lifetime do, with Felicia They should take those all our all our big muscle male movie stars, you know, that are like unrealistic men, you know. Like and and put them in like good lady dramas like oh I don't like know, the all about Eve with, with the Rock <laughs> and David Bautista. Now that would be a film. This is now we're that talking. Why can't now we? we're talking? Or, uh, why can't we have? Or Alice Alice doesn't live here anymore. With uh, yeah, Alex with, doesn't live here anymore. Yeah, Alex mm-hmm. doesn't live here anymore with the Rock or David Bautista mm-hmm. or Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and he's and he's it, lifting one eyebrow up the whole time. Hey, this hey, feels like hey, what they're uh, pitching when it, in in the the player what ultimately happens with the pitch of their movie. Yeah, that's, that's it. Sounds like what we are now talking about is what happens to the movie in the player. <laughs> I These are good ideas. Not- I'm sure you have a big following of <laughs> studio execs who are listening to the yeah. podcast. We do. Yes. And if those um, execs just if they want these ideas, I say they can have them. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not I, I don't need the credit. I just want to see good movies be made. I just want to mm-hmm. see good remakes be made. That's yeah, what I want to see. see good mm-hmm. IP. It's funny how uh, I saw Knock at the Cabin and Bautista is he looks insane. He's just like an insane person to see on a, on on a, on camera. But he's just playing a guy like it's yeah. it's not this is where he's no longer a wrestler. He's no it's, he's a little bit like when Schwarzenegger was in movies, just playing like <laughs> a shoe salesman or whatever in Jingle All the Way. He's just like a regular guy, but the largest man you've ever seen. And he happens just playing, to be very fit and muscular. 
And mm-hmm. he's playing just a pure dramatic role. It's a role that it, Paul Giamatti could have played that part in, right. in Knock at the Cabin. It's not a, it's not. How it does he do? Work. How does he do? He's good. I think he's pretty good, but also I'm like, there are other good actors that could do this. Like there are I actors that I are. I don't like wrestlers. I, I'm prejudiced. <laughs> I just, I'm like, no, no. I just, no, there are actors. You're not mm. an actor. You're a wrestler. Um, I, I would, I have, I agree with you. I don't want to see that many wrestlers in the movies, but I do. There is a, there is a devil's advocate argument to what you're saying where it's like, well, they are performers. You know what I mean? They did, they did go through a rigorous training of performing, you know, to play heels or to play. Yeah. But that being said, I don't really care about that profession and, and, um, I don't want to see the rock in a movie or David Bautista or John Cena or Well, it's just their muscles. You know. It's like you're gonna you're gonna I have to suspend disbelief that there's yeah, that a you guy that you're a person muscles. Right. You're yeah. not a normal person and then everyone I don't in the know movie anyone who looks like that except my dad, my uh, <laughs> my ninth grade teacher, my grandfather, my brother. I mean, this yourself. is so unrealistic. Yourself. Yeah, my it's okay. and me. It's okay. You, know? you can say yourself. It's fine. when I see yeah. the, I think, when I yeah. see them on the screen, I think of myself, and I think, what? I don't buy that I would be in a movie. I'm a regular you, guy. Come on, I'm just a regular Joe. Yeah, I just think guys, it's like I. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a role allotment. It's like the same thing when people say, "Why do all the roles go to white people?" or "Why do all the action leads go to white men?" or whatever, or this or that. It's like, are you telling me that of all the movies that are being made out there? that wrestlers should <laughs> dominate yeah. like 30 percent of the of, of the blockbusters it's like i'm sure there are good actors I'm there sure, might like, even be people you know, who are good at some other there's sport. a bruce willis out there there's another yeah. bruce willis out there yes i know we've we talked were just talking yeah. about this on a previous episode about like we need to get back into having bruce willis's because it's so it's just like you can't just constantly have the most gigantic, beautiful human beings in everything. I like yeah. nobody with Bob Odenkirk. He, Bob's he's good in that. I mean, yeah, it's a good, it's, yeah, good. it's a, it yeah, a good, it's a, it's a good action movie. Yeah. It's a good, it's a different, it's character. a, uh, yeah. What I liked about it is that it's not, it's not like, Oh, well, what a schlub who, uh, the transformation of some schlub. It's like, He's playing it pretty sincere. It's pretty down the, it's pretty straight, it. you know? Oh, it's, it's great. Um, uh, I saw it on a plane, which was not, I I don't think it was the ideal. It's never I ideal. I think it was my first plane. movie back at the theater uh, from COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think but I you would... didn't get COVID during that one? Nope. Took took uh, about a year later uh, for me to get it from mm-hmm. uh, Professor Ivermectin. <laughs> I might have gotten uh, COVID at Matrix Resurrections. That's one of two. I was only at like in like two locations that may have given me COVID. Like, and I think that it, I might have gotten it watching Matrix Resurrections with a with a mask on. And no, and like literally the only other person in the theater was way at the back, and I was way at the front. Were they uh, wearing a mask? But you were socially uh, I distant. I was really yeah. socially distant. But I'm like, I don't know where else I would have got it. This is back in beginning of 2021. But I think everyone yeah. had yeah. there was so much COVID in the air, you just couldn't avoid yeah, it. It was like it was like hot. Oh, wait COVID a minute. No, I'm hot. sorry. I said twenty twenty two. It was beginning of twenty twenty two. Ah. Um, yeah. Oh, do, yeah. do you got it a second time? The, I think you had it before I did. I, well, got I, just it got it I just got it once. I got it at the beginning of last year. So I got it at the beginning of twenty twenty two. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had it in yeah. I got it in June of twenty twenty two. 
Yes. Yeah, I is, got it uh, in August uh, by breathing in my daughter's mouth after she was on an airplane. Uh-huh. Yes. That was very easy to get. She very, breathed in your mouth, not you. Yeah, she you breathed. Yeah. We breathed a lot on each other. Uh, and uh, yeah. Um, very mild. But we all survived it. No one. Had, yeah. I don't but think once. Did. But once. They say, you know, it's not it's like you get it once. Okay. But if you mm. keep getting it, it's going to start messing with you. Oh, well, I don't want it again then. If that's the case. I don't want that again. If that's gonna turn you into a wrestler, <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that. If it's gonna make me rich and handsome, no way. I don't care how rich and handsome COVID makes me. Well, maybe we'll uh, 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 let's hear. Uh, uh, I'm just worried this yes, movie was the... too stressful for you. But but uh, uh, what is your uh, your panic attack assessment of? Uh, well, of, I do uh, have twins. So if you had twins, well, you can't, if I you can't had wait twins, on that. I yeah. think I would be like, oh my God, is the one going to replace the <laughs> other one? Um, uh, oh, you know what? There's another twin movie I just thought of. It's called The Pretty One. Um, and it's... Um, uh, Janae Lamarck directed that movie. Kazan. Uh, it's uh, uh, Kazan Zoe, Kazan, Zoe Kazan. Directed I, by Janae Lamarck. I like that movie. She's a friend of mine. That was good. Yeah, that's a good movie. Oh. They play um, twins. She directed oh, she she plays was, twins. Oh, I okay. was in a movie that she directed called The Feels. Mm. Oh, okay. The Feels. I I didn't see The Feels. I heard good things about The Feels. Mm. So you know, about yeah, twins. the tw twin movies. There's a lot of twin movies. There are a lot, but I think sometimes the the, the um I would say that one, uh, the pretty one, is one of the more um it's a it's a not a murdery one. Not interested. I'm Boo. looking for murdery twin movies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So for the Mama Panic Attack Assessment, which is for um, movies that I watch a little differently now that I am a parent and they feel a little bit in their subject matter like, uh, this isn't fun. I don't want to watch this. This, uh, I, I mean, this is just the basic stuff of like, don't date guys who hit you no matter how much they say sorry uh, without saying it out loud um and uh just go to hawaii by yourself it's okay it's really nice uh <laughs> <a> g <laughs> it's rated g for <laughs> rated g for it come on girl you could just go I, to hawaii I bet you she's gonna go to hawaii on that boat she's gonna meet someone awesome mm -hmm. yeah she's I gonna have meet, high hopes um, for her she's gonna meet uh all the people from from here to eternity right they treat hawaii like it's a it's a like it's like Europe running away to Mexico, <laughs> like running away to a country with no extradition or so. It's like it, <laughs> was it do. not incorporated into the U.S.? I guess in '48 it wasn't. No, it wasn't because it okay. came, I think it became a state in the. Uh, it was like a territory or something. Then I think it became a state in the '60s. You know what? That is why or the '50s. '50s. That yeah. is why there is a there's a noir set in Hawaii, uh -huh. and it is boring. <laughs> because and I keep thinking, why should I be so bored by this oh, movie? Because it's from yeah. But they're not in America. That's yet. what yeah. it is. Oh. They're, they're yeah. not in America yet. Yes, it was 1959. So the end of Hawaii not being a state and the end of film noir happened the same year. Wow. So Hawaii kind of so ushered Hawaii in a new... Hawaii did it. <laughs> Hawaii ushered in a colorful new era. The more movies became in color. Mm -hmm. We got Elvis dancing around. We don't want to have a bad time with noir and mm -mm. suffering and everything. We want to have good times. Viva Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. 
Right. You know, mm-hmm. and noir started also in the later part of noir more often started uh, uh, addressing race. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe they were like, we don't want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's time for Technicolor Spectacle. Mm-hmm. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. <laughs> That's what we want. That Dr. Doolittle. Little oh, no, we went too far. Terrified. Now we got to draw it back and make it make it. Do Bonnie and Clyde. No, no, we're the, we're the, we're the young hair. We're, we got long hair. We're the film school generation. <laughs> now it's me making Jaws in the blockbusters. Pauline K.L. backs us up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh no, here comes the indie kids. Uh-oh, oh, it's Robert the, Rodriguez chopping. The indie kids. Here comes 1999, where it's it's the perfect uh, uh, apex of the love of cinema. <laughs> oh, wow. Who are these Wachowskis and Stanley Kubrick same year? What? Well, then comes uh, the death knell of <laughs> streaming. Streaming, bong, streaming, bong, streaming, bong. streaming is here. Goodbye to your theater. Streaming is here. Stay home Life and watch. Worship. Bow down at the at the altar of Ted Sarandos. No, no. But Tom, that's right. I'm bringing it back for you. <laughs> Tom Cruise saved us. Tom Cruise saved us. Tom, you single handedly. Saved our Athos. Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> is, yeah, that was like a ride. That's a, that's a musical Disneyland. I want to see. <clears throat> yeah. That was that's like true. the the Mr. Lincoln thing, but now Ryan and I we got we briefly touched on it over text, but I liked Babylon. Oh, this is oh, uh, this is contrast. This is great. <laughs> Why? This might be the biggest disagreement you and I have ever had, but but give me I your my, case ha- for Babylon. Okay. Okay. All the things to hate about Babylon are mm-hmm. there. All, and I would not disagree. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. But I just felt so bad for it when I was watching it because it <laughs> failed terribly. And I don't want to see a movie of that spectacle fail. And there uh-huh. was so much, I mean, the, the the movie is a movie that like, I guess I like it in the context that it failed. And I'm sad that it failed because, um, uh-huh. I don't know, I, I like a lot of the history stuff. I like old Hollywood stuff. And I think there's some funny commentary in there. Um, I think there's some. There's a lot of pee. Pretty good performances. I'm okay with the pee and the sex and the shit and all the the blood and all the and the depravity. Some of it goes a little too far and silly, but I think it just every there's just so much of it going to ten um, mm-hmm. that I was like this. I didn't want to discount it all completely, you know. And I think when it was done, it made me want to see more movies set in that era. So I think because I I watched it and I'm thinking about that era, I was like. Gosh, they I sure do like seeing movies in that era. And there were some sequences in it. There's a sequence when they can't get the uh the, the microphone right because they've just yeah. started sound. And yeah. And I guess the way that that sequence captured the stress of movie making. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, you know what though? I liked it, it better when it was in Singing in the Rain. <laughs> I mean, I liked it in Singing in the Rain, but I thought that it was different mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, it was different because they were also barfing in each other's mouths. 
Uh, that wasn't a problem for me. The other things, okay, I will admit, uh-huh. I did not like uh, Margot Robbie most of the movie. I definitely didn't like I'm Nelly Leroy, bitches, and I'm not on board. I don't endorse that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think that, like, you know, there was just some, uh, and, uh, you know, I will say there's a lot of um, shoehorned his fictional historical figures all kind of placed in the same you know, like groundbreaking historical figures all placed in the same scenes, which it's like this feels like it's pushing it a little bit. But like, despite yeah, yeah. those criticisms, I still was enjoying watching it. And there, there's such a pretentious ending that I just my heart broke for the pretentious ending that doesn't find an audience. You know what I mean? This is a movie that thinks it's going to get some Oscar recognition. And uh, sure. And I guess it made me sad for the movie and it made me sad for how dead the movies felt. When I was watching it, and at that point, I was like, yeah, the movie's real pretentious, but I'm sad that the movies are, that they're not what this whole montage of pretentious movies are. I'm sad that that this movie isn't that. And so, therefore, I was sad alongside the movie. I guess that's how I felt. Like, the movie's sad. Yes. I'm sad with it. You know what I, I mean? I, I get it. I, and I get, I mean, I get the respecting the ambition of the movie. I get the, the, I get the, the movie's melancholy in tone and that you could be swept up in that. And it's, and it is unfortunate that it was not a hit or not whatever. That it didn't and it's, in a, you know, it's, a, it's not a piece of IP or something. Yes. Like recu- that, to it? recouping. It's fun. Yeah. And I, and I, I get all that. What the, my, also, here's the thing. Well, that and one, Ryan, I know yeah. that you did on some level love that there is that there's like a hellscape underneath Hollywood. And I actually caves. didn't like that. I didn't like that. That's a, <laughs> that's part. That's that and the snake bite and all that stuff. The really really grotesque stuff in the movie mm-hmm. is the stuff that I really actually disliked. I like mm-hmm. the beginning of the film. I like the first couple of scenes in in Babylon, and I like the filmmaking, all that stuff with Spike Jones in the desert and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that stuff. Yeah, I love that. That sequence was was kind of to me worth. Watching yeah, the movie. That, 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 that's thoughts. all exciting stuff. I think that my, that that a first of all, I'm not a huge huge expert in these kinds of movies. I think people, th- if people know me a little bit or they know that I like movies, they think I sit around and watch Douglas Fairbanks movies. I don't actually watch a ton of those, a ton of silent era movies. So I'm not the number one person to make a comment about whether or not it's like a good representation of that era. I don't actually, it's not, it's not like I'm like, oh boy, they messed up the representation of silent film or anything like that. But what I would say is that the end of the movie filled me with a great sadness because it, but for the same reason that like watching Amsterdam made me sad, which is, which I was like, you guys spent so much money on this movie that is willfully inaccessible and willfully uh sloppy and you're wasting the your way you're doing you know what you're not saving our assets tom cruise is saving our asses <laughs> right you're not you're doing the opposite you're taking your big you're chance taking to make our a, asses you're, you're, you're s- there there will <laughs> never be i truly think there will never yeah. be large uh with the exception of maybe scorsese doing one uh, he has a, he has a, a, an upcoming film that's a big epic period piece, but we may never get get epic period piece dramas on that scale again because these two guys fucked it up. They like made they were irresponsible with the money that they were given. Yeah, ba- I Bab- think the- Babylon is willfully uh, repulsive. It you is, know. but I think yeah. that the that the this the saving aspect of it is with both of those movies. So many, so much of the movies is, is digital effects that. 
um, I think you can make epics. You can make Ben-Hur for much less money than you, you could in the past. And if you want to make a giant epic, just a, uh, I think the potential for making something like that exists at, a, at like a lower and lower budget. It does, but but I don't want to watch a goop CGI crowd. I want to watch a real crowd. I want to watch the. I want to see it the way that Damien Chazelle made it. I admire the the technique. I admire that so much about his technique. I just think that the movie is not smart. He needed a writer. He truly needed a writer to help write the movie with him. I don't believe that this man is a writer. I, a good I, director. I stuck with the movie throughout the movie. You know, even though that it would hit me, it would hurt me a couple times. You know. Um, mm -hmm. I'm Nelly Leroy bitches really, really turned me off. Um, you don't feel like that's period but, accurate that she would have said I'm Nelly Leroy bitches. I went and I looked it up and Clara Bow did say that at a party. She did. Yeah. She said, I'm the bee's knees, bitches. Yeah. She I'm said, I'm the, I'm the it girl, bitches. Mm -hmm. I'm the it girl boss. Yes. Um, the repulsiveness. Actually, oh, what's that? I, I did find that era interesting, like the story of Fatty Arbuckle and the girl and the bottle and all that stuff. All and the so, depravity, the kind of thing. Yeah, the, the, the horrible depravity and like Gina Harlow dying of cirrhosis of the liver and like they don't even have that stuff in there. And it's like, well, I mean, there's some, there were there was a time in Hollywood when there was a lot of uh, experimentation and uh, interesting relationships and. I think that was my disappointment with the movie. It was just like, there's real stuff that you could actually be making this movie about that would be kind of eye-opening that the idea that Hollywood now is this crazy, depraved, oh my God, is like, no, it's always been like that. It's more conservative now. I guess the movie got me thinking about that stuff. And, it, and so because I was thinking about it, because I was like, well, I want another one of those, you know, mm -hmm. I can't. I can't totally throw it in the toilet. You know what I mean? And the repulsiveness, I mean, yeah, it was repulsive, but I think, I don't know, the movie almost weirdly, like, I don't typically like movies that get that, that get that nasty, you know, but like it kind of the first frame of the movie or the first like 30 seconds of the movie, like basically says, you know, Hey, get ready. You know, here's a, a big shot of an elephant shitting, you know, like right in your mm -hmm. face. So if, if you're not on board with that, you know, you probably won't be on board. So I think I said like, okay, well, I don't love it, but let's just, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to um, soften myself and, I'm, and I'll eventually get more numb to all this crazy stuff. But yeah, I didn't think the mm -hmm. snake, the snake stuff and I'll fight a snake or I just, mm -hmm. it's a little like, like I think Ryan, as you've described it, like, oh shit comedy that is mm -hmm. very hacky, you know, but aside from those like, oh, shit, what the hell? That was insane moments. I thought there was some funny, some good stuff and some even funny. There was a funny part of the movie that made me laugh where I think it's in uh, the actor, the comedian actor Roy Scovel plays a character in the movie and they go to his apartment for a second. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, that's my roommate, Jerry, or whatever. And it pans yeah. over to like a, a really crusty guy in a robe eating cereal. And it's a very it's kind of a funny like. LA joke, you know, like got this guy was always there. Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah, got his own yeah. headshots. And yeah, you know, the the roommate I think made me laugh more than the headshots, but just like, oh yeah, everyone in LA during all, of all periods of time has gone to someone's apartment and seen that, you know, 
crusty roommate sitting in his bathrobe eating cereal or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe it, it might be a reason why I why why I found the film heartbreaking is that it's not without its merits. It's just that it's it's just that uh, I think it does have good scenes and it does have good performances in it. It's just that it uh, it amounts to. I don't know. It needed an editor. It needed a, maybe some tightening and uh, and some and some scenes. Maybe I don't know. Maybe something. Maybe a, like a more cohesive theme. You know, someone to organize right, the themes of the movie. There's a lot of characters. A lot of you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, it and, and seemed the like way, the overall theme of it was just like, boy, it was fun back then. And then I'm like, I just I watched what it was like according to you, and it didn't really sound that great well it was also it's like a weird muddled it's like i think ryan murphy's hollywood is the same thing where it's like it's that's based i think a lot on the scotty bowers diaries of like uh uh, you know uh running the Mm -hmm. whatever running prostitution rings to the stars or whatever sucking and fucking we were fucking and sucking each other (laughs) off and i i watched cole porter fuck 10 guys in a row or whatever (laughs) whatever that story i knew them all they were my friends (laughs) Uh, yeah but like all that kind of stuff and it so it's it's that but it's like but by the way let's let's do like a revisionist version of it where like where like don't worry like asian women are also like on the scene and black black characters are on the scene and accepted in a way that they weren't well that was one of the things that made me feel the most like this is very disingenuous is like the asian actress is like oh boy we really did have fun back in the day like you didn't have any parts yeah, did you? Why have would fun? you say that? Well, there's. I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I. I had this battle too myself throughout the movie. I don't like what I've heard referred to as plastic representation, where it's mm-hmm. like, well, we're gonna just like um, shoehorn a, a strong character into this period just because you know we have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that woman did exist. There was there was a woman that like that Asian character that did exist yeah, in that era. There, there were a few of them. Wong, yeah. Yeah, but Anna they Wong were, existed, but she didn't have a very successful career because when they, they were, make because, it, yeah. when they make it seem like, um, when they make it seem like, uh, um, yeah, a- Anna Mae Wong and this, you know, jazz, uh, jazz trumpeteer and uh, and and this um, most successful female uh, silent movie director, they were all kicking it all at all hours of the day, and they all hung out, and they were the trailblazers. Seem does seem a little forced and disingenuous and and condescending. There's like a Mexican guy mm-hmm. <laughs> in the movie, and the Mexican guy is like, okay, they this guy does not exist, or if he exists, he's such a he's such an obscure aspect of of Hollywood history that we've largely forgotten him. He has a he has power, and he has enough power yeah. to say. Uh, put some blackface on your face, you know, mm-hmm. is like, is that's insane. Like that's, that's all it's borderline irresponsible to be like, this guy was in, this guy had power in Hollywood and he also was, he, he was corrupted. It's like the guy didn't exist. You're not wrong about that. I don't disagree with you about that. <laughs> oh, these were, wow. these were among the problems I had with the movie, <laughs> but you know, well. if, yeah, if yeah. Paul Henry had made it, Oh god! Only if, if only had, they got a guy it would have had like there. that little accent, which you can't quite identify why. Um, it just feels a little better. But Babylon is a whole is a whole is a potentially a whole series of episodes at some point. Yeah, we, I just we, we, I my we take, might have to do a panel on Babylon. <laughs> right. My take is not worth talking about. My, <laughs> my take movie. is worth talking about. I think oh, worth I think talking it's worth about. Talking about. Yeah. Not worth dismissing the entire movie. 
You know, like there's things, it's a long movie. There's things about it that I liked and there's things about it. I'm like, it's, it made me sad that no one with maybe a stronger hand and stronger, you know, with more uh, 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 um, discipline can make a, a version like a movie like this, you know, probably again because of the failure of this one. Yeah, you can feel the movies dying while you're watching the fucking <laughs> yeah. movie. Okay, I don't think so, but yes. Anyway, this movie. We're All right, okay. About. Let's uh, yes. let's uh, let's uh, give our rating of uh, of this movie, which is uh, Hollow. Oh Triumph, yes, what are we gonna base AKA it off the scar of, uh... on a on a scale of a uh, one to four? Something out of in this movie. Oh. Now, an obvious thing is a scar. Scar on the wrong side of your face. <laughs> um random dentists um oh, we did start the discussion on that random dentist so that's kind of did uh, you notice that when he was looking through all of the clients that the actual doctor had uh it said how much they all made that was listed in their intake form that's not a thing now that's not you a thing now where they're down. like yeah. oh you need therapy how much do you make yeah <laughs> um, um yeah probably scars I mean, I, well, yeah, let's just let's just let's go. I mean, I don't we I don't think we need to get too clever with it. You know, a scar is a, a, a scar is a source of uh, of pain. Uh, or we're going to rate the movie on a scale of uh, zero to four scars. Ann and I will go first. But Josh, your rating uh, will be the official rating of Hollow Triumph, a.k.a. the scar, meaning that if uh, on this show and every show, your rating cancels out our rating mm-hmm. and all previous reviews that have ever been uh, wow. written about this movie. Yes. Yeah. So wow. you have a big responsibility on your shoulders. Your rating okay. is canon. Yes. Uh, I'll gladly uh, rate uh, Hollow Triumph first. I think this is a terrific noir movie. It's uh, a good B picture. Yes, it and is a literal B. It is literally a B picture, and that, li- that yes, it, it was it was a B production. It was a B studio, and uh, and they they played it as a B movie. Yeah, so this is not. I'm not saying B, and that it's. I'm not using the colloquial B. I'm saying yes. it, it's a it's a true true B. It's a very strong B movie. Some terrific photography again by John Alton. And uh, and Paul Henry, who I actually uh, and you you went into this very enthusiastically about Paul Henry. I'm less of a I I I'm, he's an actor that I have a harder time placing. Really, mm-hmm. maybe I haven't seen en- enough of his movies, but I was really uh, I was really impressed by his authority in this part and this Joan Bennett role, which is like really unconventional. And her bitterness is so unconventional. I think uh, for a part for a movie this time. So yes. I'm going to say this is a three and a half. Uh, scar movie. I think I give it three and a half out of four. Um, yeah, I love Paul Henry. I love now Voyager. That's one of my rewatch movies. I'll watch that anytime. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's, uh, a movie that everybody should see. It, it has a lot to do with like how you can be living one way and then decide to live another way. And you're talking about now Voyager. Yes, I'm talking about now Voyager. Because I've never seen it. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to watch now Voyager. Mm. Yeah, it's a fantastic it. movie. And I think because I have that association with him as as a guy in that movie who's just, you know, a complicated person and uh you know an affection for him. It's like for me watching this movie is like watching a Tom Cruise movie or something. Like I know him so well from watching that movie so many times. Um, <clears throat> that uh, that was very easy to be like. Okay, he's he's 
he's someone that I want to follow in the story. Uh, but then it is a little, it's not as much of a character as, as it is in a uh, sort of soapy drama. But I thought it was a fun movie. I thought it got going more as it went along. In the beginning with the heists and stuff, it was not as engaging as later on when he gets more involved with the the secretary and what is he going to do? And um, so I would give it a solid three scars uh, carved into your own face. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, it's um, the moment of the truth, Josh. Okay. Well, I I recommended the movie. I liked the movie. I would say it's a fun movie and it is a kind of, it's a grounded form of camp. You know what I mean? It's a, I think they ground <laughs> camp well. And uh, I like the performances. I like the actors. I like the, the uh, preposterousness of the plot. And I think I'm all about a, something preposterous. And I guess I like when someone makes preposterous kind of viable or palatable or whatever. And I think this movie does a good job. I think it's beautiful looking. Also, you know, John Alton's photography. I'll watch any movie that he shot. And um, yeah, it stays in Los Angeles. Doesn't go to some other, co- doesn't go to Casablanca, you know, boring. That's where Paul, that, Paul Henry's in Casablanca. I, I know that too. Yeah. But that's another movie I, I've, I've watched every time and I always kind of tune out. I'll be honest. I couldn't tell you what's what's about. Um, but anyway, well, I, I got no reason to discount your guys's critiques i i say i i give it um i give it three i like it <laughs> wait a minute is this a new you're gonna give it a three yeah, i yeah. like it yeah okay. yeah i'm giving okay. it three i like it oh okay oh, all right like uh, cold stone i like it love it gotta have it Are you rating is it that on? what is that what cold stone creamery's i think they is? had some like it, some love, like, it, gotta have like it, it love it gotta have it yeah uh but uh, they also did. Uh, you could get ice cream and how many scars worth you wanted. So how many? How many Paul Henry? That was a weird thing at Coldstone when they did that. <laughs> that tie-in with yeah. Hollow Triangle. Henry yeah. scars <laughs> level of. What? It's Coldstone's Hollow Cone. <clears throat> yeah. For Hollow Triumph. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, this is great. I can't. I can't imagine having a having a more uh, a, a better conversation about uh, about this film or any noir film than when our with our guest. The great Josh Fadum. Thank you so much, Josh, for returning to this little show and, uh, anytime, and uh, spending anytime. some time with us. Uh, if people want to uh, find you online, I know you've got, you're kind of you're you're not so much of a social media guy, but where do people go when they if they want to know what's like coming up with you? You can email me, okay. <laughs> or you can you know you can maybe you can maybe. Uh, Tweet to a friend of mine and say, what's Josh up to, you know, and then, yeah. and then maybe they can reach out to uh, one of you guys and then you could say, hey, so-and-so tw- tweeted to me. They were wondering what you're up to, you know, and then uh-huh. I said, oh, well, I-, I can get back to them directly or if you want to relay a message. That's a good idea. If you, yeah. if I have you an idea. Know, yeah. What about if they send a message to Paul Henry's daughter on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> and ask her to contact you and that she can uh, DM back? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't cool. know Paul Henry's daughter, but um, uh, <laughs> you got to start following her social app access. To <laughs> yeah, I um, I guess yeah, I, I've I'm not as uh, I scaled back some of the social media, and um, I'm on Facebook, but you know, don't reach out to me there. That's that's no, don't 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 bother. Don't get, just <laughs> just come jo- to Josh house. Josh <laughs> Josh Fatum.com, You know, if uh, 
You know, I don't have an email, a newsletter or anything. I don't really have anything to tell anybody. You know, you, have, you know what? Next time, next time people hear from you, it'll be on the it'll be on the television or movie screen. You know, that's how mm-hmm. I kind of feel. You know it's like, that's it's how like, you see me. That's I mean, honestly, see me. that's what what are you going to what are you going to do? Come my thing. You look up, look up your IMDb. That's how people find me. You can find me on IMDb. You said you could be like like a mob lawyer. Hey, just look him up. I don't know what to say. Go to his IMDb. If you're curious about videos he's made, go to go to YouTube. I got I got videos with Josh. Go to YouTube. Yeah, we made videos together. We got videos coming out. We got more videos. Stuff we, have, well, we actually do have stuff coming out, which is exciting. Yeah, yes. Um, uh, if you want to follow this show, go to Mama Needs a Movie Pod on Instagram, Mama Pod on Twitter. Twitter. Uh, yep. Go to uh, you can follow us on Letterbox at Mama Needs a Movie. Um, there is a uh, I, I hesitate to bring it up, but we do have we have this Patreon thing in the yes. works. Which we have I'm, a Patreon coming out, which is going to be Mama Needs a Movie's Patreon, which is. Uh, Mama needs a movie. Attention must be paid. Uh, is the name of the Patreon? Uh, yes, and this is coming out. We don't know exactly when it's coming out, but it's uh, it sounds a little bit like what it is, which is attention calling attention to kind of lesser seen films. Uh, yeah, of all uh, eras, all genres. Just like these are movies that are good. There's no fancy reason for it. They're just good. They're worth seeing. Um, but whenever that hits, uh, Patreon will let you know. Uh, Thanks again, Josh, so much uh, for uh, talking with us today. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Anytime. Bye. Bye. Bye.